When Jesus said, I am the Son of Man, and we're going to read here this minute, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Right there you should know that he is calling himself the prophet of Deuteronomy 18. Because Moses said God would raise up a prophet among the brother and you must hear him or your soul would be cut off from the economy of God. Also, we understand that that prophet was spoken of in Acts 3, 17 to 21, that in the times of restitution of all things, heaven must retain this prophet until the restitution of all things and everyone will not receive that prophet in this day, that soul shall be cut off. So what you see is basically a son of man or the prophet, Jesus as a central figure for the rapture and for salvation. He is the central key to the Bible. Amen. In verse 14, and they said unto him, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Jesus asked his disciples, and if you understand the seven steps, here's step number one, you ought to be able to figure it out. Who do people say that I am? So the first step for salvation, first step for translation, first step for immortality was you must identify Jesus, who he is. You say, well, everybody knows that. Very, very few people know that. Because all you have to do is listen to the churches, what they teach and everybody's theory. They've got him one or three gods, the only God, a prophet, everything else except who he was. And he was the promised son of God our Redeemer, the Lamb that paid the price for our salvation. All right. And he said, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Now, John had just gone off the scene, so he must believe in uh, reincarnation or resurrection. Some Elijah and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? When we go through the steps, you'll find individually you must identify who Jesus is. The Christ really is. That's step number one to salvation. And he is follow me. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. In other words, you are the anointed one, the Son of the living God. Now, that requires a revelation. And only the Holy Spirit can give you that revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. And Jesus answered and said unto him, now watch, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. Flesh and blood. He was son of man, he was both flesh, and he was both blood, flesh and blood, and bone. So this was not the man or the person of Jesus doing the revealing. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. A prophet is flesh and blood. God is a spirit. All right. But my Father, which is in heaven. Now we know on the river of Jordan, the Bible said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am pleased to dwell. And God came down at the baptism and incarnated His Son at the river of Jordan. And now here, that very Son that very dual person in whom God was dwelling said that his father was in heaven and he was standing right there talking to him at the same time. So what you're seeing is that logos, that pillar of fire, is only an attribute of the invisible God. 
How many attributes God has? We do not know. It took us 6,000 years to understand one of them. But that Logos is God in a form, but it is not God per se as the individual spirit God. It is the unfolding and revealing of the invisible God. Now watch, verse 18. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now you could take a whole lesson right there because the gates of hell is organized religion. Names of blasphemy. And you'll find at the end time that the Son of Man stands at the door of the church and knocks. Of this end time. And one opened the door. Only one. There had to be an Elijah prophet in that system somewhere to open the door. And he that opened the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. You say, well, that speaks to all of us. Only a prophet was awake at the end time to alert us of the presence of Almighty God. All right. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we know the rock is the revelation of his identity that he was talking about up in verse 13. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. There's step number two, the authority and power of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now that is the church are those who receive the revelation of the identity of Jesus. So step number one is required before you get to step number two. All right. Then charged he the disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the anointed one or Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And when we get to it, you'll find that that religious spirit is still among us trying to correct God the Word. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, that thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, which the things there are is Logos, or revealed word, that be of God, but those things that be of man. In other words, in the end time, religion is going to take preeminence over the revealed word. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, we'll pause on this just a little bit to repeat, let him deny himself and take up his cross, and follow me, which that was what Jesus, the Son of Man, was doing at that time. Denying himself, taking up his cross, and following the Father. So in other words, we put in your notes last week, deny yourself, and it is the thought that you can exist and function on your so-called free will of choice. That's got to get out of your mind. Now, everybody wants to reserve, well, I've got a choice. I can choose this and I can choose that. You didn't choose to be born, and unless you choose to commit suicide, you won't choose when you die. 
And if you choose to be suicidal, then some devil got in there to interrupt the plans of God, and it was on the book that she was going to do it in the first place. There's no mistakes with God. God is sovereignly in control. So in other words, you've got to understand and forfeit your free will or thinking that you have a choice in the matter. That you are something apart from God's word. You, your soul is a part of God's word or it is not a part of God's word. See? You have to deny that you are an individual with an individual identity. Now, everybody will fight for that. I am what I am. I've got personality, me, 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 me. You've got to understand that you must un, uh, be a part, not an individual, separate and apart from God is what we must deny. You've got to deny yourself. In other words, you've got to deny yourself that you're standing over here and you've got a choice to choose whether you will believe or won't believe or be a believer or unbeliever or do what God says or not do what He says. You'll only find that there's one seed that is in that condition. And that is serpent seed. They are an individual upon their own that by nature chose to do their own thing outside of God's thing. And there's an alpha that began and we're full. The world is full of that seed today. It is still a major doctrine. I will not worship according to the word of God. I will kill Abel to get all that truth out of my way. And I will do my own thing. And anybody that doesn't follow me, we're going to persecute and squeeze down. They won't be able to buy or sell unless they worship or govern themselves in a certain way. You ought to be able to see that religious politics of the serpent seed coming down in the governments around the world. It is very prevalent that we're in Revelation 13 and America is that clue and it is absolutely serpent seed, religious serpent seed politics and social spirits that is controlling what's going on in the world, especially in America today. And we'll get to it in just a few minutes or in this lesson. So in other words, uh, in 1 John, because you said how, in 1 John 3, 9, watch this. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, I've preached this for almost 30 years and been ridiculed, pushed out, ostracized, and everything else because most people in the message are Pentecostal legalists, which I was one of them, that preach that your works and what you do will qualify you or put you in the kingdom or out of the kingdom. Your election and your revelation of your identity is what puts you in and what takes you out. You will never get a serpent seed to acknowledge that they are serpent seed. But you'll find a born-again son of God. The born-again experience is the quickening of your identity, of your soul, that you know where you come from and who your daddy is. All right. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, that's the Bible telling you that. Now, you have to deal with this. For his seed, whose seed? God's seed. Remaineth in you. From where? And from when? And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Notice it does not say that he is born again, does not commit sin. 
It said, he that is born of God does not commit sin. Born of God means that you have issued forth from the Father. Like Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. I come from God and I go back to God. You say, well, see, he was God. You are too if you'll get the right balance. Our soul life come from God. Amen. So we're looking at this. Brother Ben said, this is my eyes, this is my nose, this is my ears, but who is me? He said, you don't see me. The inner me, the soul, is that seed or that life that issued forth out of a source. It had to come from a source. Where did the source come from? Well, my daddy and uncle want more genealogy. No, you take it on back, on back, on back, on back, and on back. You got to go back to the source, and then the source, you had two sources. It's very easy. You see this spirit today, this woke culture? Oh, you got to be woke. I heard an advertisement today that a man asked me, am I woke? And I said, yeah, I slept all night on so-and-so sheets, and I'm very woke. I'm very see, everything is a woke. What is it? People trying to find out their identity. Why would you want to try to find out your identity? Well, I don't know whether I'm male or I'm female or I'm up or I'm down. I'm a giraffe turned into a monkey or what am I at? I just don't know where I'm at. Sons and daughters of God come forth from God. And they know whether they are a male or they know whether they are a female. Hemi understands what I'm trying to say. All right. He said, but that father, he said, that soul in you is actually our father, and so is your soul come from the original sense, which was what? Out of God birthed forth himself a son. Remember the last two or three lessons? And he gave power to the son to have life in himself. So you're looking at a natural generation, a natural election, and a natural predestination of the seed of God coming down through by the fall, through natural reproduction, all the way down to today. Our life come out of original source, one of two sources. You say, well, wait a minute, we can change that. I, I might be born to a goat and I want to turn myself into eagle. Every seed produces after its own kind. You say, Brother Gregory, that puts, uh, puts a lot of people wondering straight. It only puts the sons of God to examine their soul by the word of God. If that soul can agree with the word, guess where that soul come from? If it disagrees with God's word, guess where that soul come from? Take you right back to the beginning. So, therefore, to believe that we are separate and alienated from God is what we must deny. It's not denying yourself of smoking, drinking, cussing, whatever more. David was a man after God's own heart. All right? Touch not mine anointing. Well, he had all them wives. He seen another one. He lusted after her. Sent her husband, had him killed. Took his wife and had a child by And he was a man after God's own heart. People say, oh, Luther couldn't be a church-age messenger. Because he married a, a nun, so-and-so, and then he smoked a pipe, drank beer, and whatever more. 
Touch not mine anointing. He was an elected messenger of God. He was a predestinated seed of God. He was the messenger of the age. And what are you judging him by? You're judging him in the same way Cain judged Abel all the way back in the garden. Come on now. Cain is a religious seed. Always was. He goes to church every Sunday and Wednesday, Tuesday night, and Friday night. They have one. But they're still God's chosen. We'll get to it just in a few minutes. Watch that. So we must deny that self. And basically what you're doing is the battle of the mind. To be in darkness of our own identity is to be alienated from God in your mind. Because your mind, according to the St. Paul, is an enemy to God. In other words, the word says so-and-so, and your mind says, well, I can't figure that. That's not, well, wait a minute, I don't believe that one more. I've got a right to judge and decide what more and choose what I want to believe and not believe. That right must be forfeited, and that's what Cain couldn't and wouldn't do. A son of God will forfeit his own choice, his own will, and submit to the word of God. And take up our cross, whatever age we're in, we'll take up the message of the hour, and that's what we'll follow regardless of who says what. Now let's go ahead and read. For what a man is, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with, uh, with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now that is a type of today. There's some that will die, but not all will die, but some will be left alive and be changed to go in the rapture. So here's your prefigure. Some shall not die before they see or come to the rapture. Now Matthew 17, it's a continuation. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain. Did he walk them up or translate them up? He said he bringeth them up. Didn't say they climbed the mountain. He just put them there. Oh, that's supernatural. That's weird. All things are possible with God. See, we're in a different world. And what? And was transfigured before them. Now, here's the process we're looking at from mortal to immortality. There's seven steps in there from mortal to immortality and he's transfiguring it and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun. His raiment was white as light and behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him, showing at this end time, Moses and Elias are typing the dead and the living. Watch what. Then Peter answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make Three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son. So you say, well, what voice was that? Let's call it the voice of God. The voice of God called Jesus his beloved Son. What should we call him then? Same thing. Then what are we? Same thing. Because he is our preeminent brother that paid the price for our redemption to restore us back in our relationship with God that we had before the foundation of the world. 
get in your mind your soul never was lost, never under any penalty of being lost. You had a covenant before you ever got here way back in the mind of God. There was a covenant that covered the seed of God all the way to the end. Because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So we had a fixed covenant all the way through. That's the reason it is. Now, Brother Brown said, Little Bride, the Thanksgiving message of the judge is here, and you have been put on trial, is that you never done it in the first place, and there's no sin laid to your charge. You are the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ by the fact that God, period. And that is what makes you righteous in the presence of the judge. Let me just follow me. Follow. All right. And Jesus came and touched him and said, Arise and be not afraid. Verse 8. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah or Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. So when someone asks you, like uh, me and Richard had an experience with a uh, Christian Zionist, and we'll get to a few minutes in a moment. Do you believe Jesus is coming and when? Jesus is not the answer. If you're looking for the second coming of Christ, you've got to find an Elijah, a prophet, to restore the original doctrine and revelation to make you ready for the rapture. You're not looking for Jesus, a corporal body, to come. You're looking for a revelation of Jesus to go to where he's at to come back with him at his second coming. And there's a revelation that will build that soul to the place that it can be transfigured right here in this mortal body, transfigured and be in the presence of the supernatural or those that are asleep and those that have went by the way of the grave and now glorified in the presence of God. That's what the presence is all about. When you say we believe the presence, what you're saying is God is here and we're in the process of being transfigured for the translation. All right. He must first come. And Jesus answered said to them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. So therefore, before the second coming of Jesus Christ, Elijah the prophet must come on the scene. All right. But I say unto you that Elijah has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the prophet or the son of man suffer of them in that hour. Watch. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them, of John the Baptist. So we get a clue here that the Son of Man will come and be among you and most people will not recognize his appearing. The disciples didn't even understand who John the Baptist was. So no wonder the church world don't understand the Son of Man when he comes and manifests himself right in our midst. So you will find, as we go through, that's a lot of scripture, but you'll find Matthew 16, from verse 13 to 28, we will locate and identify seven steps that lead to or is a prefigure. Now when I say prefigure, I'm looking at a seed type 
And that type coming to a harvest multiplied in a conclusion. So you'll see a prefigure to the rapture of the bride of Christ. In other words, it's going to build a body and then it's going to bring it to a transfiguration, both dead and living, and translate them to the marriage supper of the Lamb for just a little bit, three and a half years, it'll just be a, a blink of the eye. According to a vindicated prophet, it requires the sum total of these seven steps, which he preached in the statue of a perfect man, seven church ages, seven seals, seven vows, seven plagues, seven, 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 seven. Everything is in seven steps, and this is basically the statue of a perfect man laid out for us. To complete our position, to bring about a walk with God that qualifies us for the rapture, and the prophet called it the third pull. Are you following me? For us to understand how we can make these statements that we're going to make, we're fixing to lay out a type and a foundation. For us to make the statements that we're going to make, we must understand how the prophet laid out scriptures and how he viewed certain scriptures and reinforced them under the principles of seed and the principle of Adam and Eve or the principle of Alpha and Omega. All right? So in other words, we have to have an understanding of Alpha and Omega and follow the trail of the seed principles that every seed shall produce after its own kind. If you start in Genesis with the principle that every seed follow or produces after its own kind, follow the trail of the serpent or the trail of our Redeemer all the way down through history to our present day, right where we're standing this morning in this church, in this country, and in the world. But you've got to let your mind go, so to speak, as you having a choice to bring things to a conclusion. You must forfeit your will and amen to the word of God to bring your seed to manifestation. And all it requires is basically what we're saying, amen. Right back to that little word again. We want to first look at how the prophet laid the scriptures out for us. And this is the tedious part. The seven steps are very more interesting and less tedious as far as scripture. Understand how he laid it out for us for each part of the plan from the scriptures to this day. In other words, he used scriptures in a very unique way that only he used them. For the rapture, he went to Psalms, I believe, 27. No preacher or no teacher or theologian will go to Psalms 27 to preach the rapture. Because if you look at it, you don't see uh, a rapture in there except we shall remain in his pavilion, which is basically the rapture of the church. And there's a scripture then there, an understanding that's veiled that only a vindicated prophet will see and bring forth or bring to light to quicken our understanding that will qualify us for seed today to manifest the word of God in flesh. We are manifesting a part of this word this morning in our flesh, in our bodies, in our nature, in our actions, fulfilling the word of God one way or the other. Amen. All right, you can find ourselves in the word of God. 
We understand that we are at the harvest time. Brother Bram preached a message in 1965, I believe, called Harvest Time. That we are at the harvest time of seed. I'm going to touch this lightly because uh, people have a problem with it. I had a problem with it. Everybody has a problem with it until you just quit wrestling in your own mind and say, so be it, Lord, that's the way it is and whatever. The prophet declared and warned the Pentecostals in 1965 in a sermon called The Seed of Discrepancy. And he brings out to the Pentecostals that the seed of discrepancy was in the last days called Pentecostal shuck that would be so close that it would deceive the very elected if possible unless they accepted the end time prophet. Hallelujah, glory to God. That's just how close the rapture really is. Amen. You see, that was reflexive of a 20-year-old instead of an 81-year-old. Don't do that again back there, please. I thought we got over them things. That devil hit me. And I was going to it good. That anointing was really going good in here. The devil said, I'm going to interrupt that. He warned the Pentecostals of how close the seed of discrepancy that started in the garden would be about 99% white with just a hint of gray. And lukewarm actually means, according to the Laodicean church age of which we're in, lukewarm means that the coal and the hot the two seeds level out to the same spiritual temperature in their worship. In other words, unless you have the spirit of discernment by a seed or a soul that come from God, you will not be able to tell the difference between the true ministry and the false. And my mind said, Amen, and this is Amen. They all level out to the same temperature. The Pentecostals is just as lukewarm as the Branhamites are. And most of the message people are colder than usual. Amen. We all level out and without true doctrine. How long have you heard me say that? Without true doctrine, restored by Elijah... According to Malachi 4, 5, and 6 and Acts 3, 17 to 21, I believe, we will not be able to tell the true from the false. You won't be able to tell the difference between the tares and the wheat. And the tares are the seed of the devil and the wheat are the seed of God. Most people say, well, that's just a parable, meaning you'll either be good or you're bad. Seed means seed. Offspring. Turnip, turnip. Apple, apple. Lamb, lamb. Child of God, child of God. Therefore, you will have, according to the vindicated message, you will have identical twins at the end time, when only the Father, Paul said, knoweth his own. Praise the Lord. As I said, we ran into a Christian Zionist. That's the first one I'd run into, really, uh, down at uh, Daytona. It was raining, so we were standing under his tent, so we was forced to listen to what he had to say. 
it starts a conversation with, do you believe that uh, the Jews are God's chosen people? Everybody believes that Jews are God's chosen people. First thing that comes to people's mind is, well, yeah, the Bible said, bless those that bless you and bless you that curse you so you patient. My answer was, Israel was God's chosen na nation set aside as an example to reveal him to the world. The prophet of God, or what they were looking for, was the answer yes. Every cult has their pat question that starts their theory down a pattern of scripture to paint their picture of truth to convince you to believe them. Jehovah Witness has their pattern. Christian science has their pattern. This guy had his pattern. I just never had approached his pattern this way because he was a Christian. And the first thing he said, we know Jesus was a prophet, so I had a problem there. And then as he go on, uh, then we had more of a problem, more of a problem because they went back to the Neplins in the garden where he said angels come down and had sex with the women. I said, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's your theory right out of hell. I don't believe that at all. I said, you don't understand serpent seed then. Now, you don't have to get quiet on me just because I said, uh, <laughs> let's see what a prophet says just to give us a little, little inkling. You've heard people say, oh, the Jews is God's chosen people. That's not right. God's chosen people are those whose names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. My scripture said, he called me, he chose me, I didn't choose him. He said, well, I chose, I come to the offer, I chose God. No, you didn't, he chose you. And he's only enforcing his predestinated knowledge of you to move on you by what we call conviction to bring you to his own destiny that he ordained for you to go to in the first place. He said, Brother Greer, you're preaching sovereignty. Praise God that God didn't charge everything. We're just acting out what a pattern or what our gene seed is laid out before us. <laughs> Amen. That's what we're saying. That's what the Bible taught. Amen. You think Jesus could help being the only begotten Son of God? Do you think He could not go to the cross? Father, it would be possible to get this thing done. Let, uh, let me bypass this and get you. Not my will, but thy will be done. It's laid out. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Amen. He doesn't give us strength. Oh, God, uh, take me out of this problem. No, no. Lord, take me through this problem. I got to go through the problem because my footsteps take me down in the pit. Give me the strength to climb out on the other side. Now you can say amen. amen. We can't go around and miss all the problems. He's going to take you through the mud hole, through the problem, to see your reaction to them. Some of my reaction is not good. Like the idiots that cut you off in traffic. My reaction is not as a, a son of God. Lord, bless them, them holy Joe. No, that idiot going there. <laughs> so my first reaction is not this holy halo over my head. And neither it is yours either. Come on, don't act so holy this morning that you think that I don't know that you got problems just like I got. But we're still sons and daughters of God. And we have a mediator making intercession for our little mistakes down here to keep us perfect in the eyes of God. Yeah. All right. 
That's not right. The Jews are not God's chosen people. Now, I wonder if we'd have pulled that quote out on this Christian Zionist, whether he would have believed that or not. Because for almost for an hour, and I've never listened to a preacher an hour in my life, almost for an hour he goes down this trail of wherever, he, whatever, he knew more dates from 1525 to 1782 to whatever more to whatever more. I never did get where he was taking it, but he was trying to tell me the Jews were somebody special. The bride of Christ is the special group. God's not going to build a temple and the Jews run the world. There's going to be a temple over there, but if there's anybody in there, there's going to be a bride in there. The 144,000 Jews are servants to the bride. Amen. Jews has always been the servants. All right. He said, Abraham had 11 sons, and you know that, didn't you? And they were all the seed of Abraham. They was all the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac thy seed shall be called. What? Not in the rest of them. Not in Ishmael. Not in the other nine sons from the other third wife he had. No. In Isaac was the seed called. Now in two witnesses he also said another. The Jews was called God's chosen people. And he tells you for the specific cause of the law. And they could not keep it. This Christian Zionist was trying to put me back under the Ten Commandments. And he made a statement that ringed a bell, and my bell almost went off three, two, four, two. Oh, he said, yeah, you know these preachers that preach this Jesus plus nothing? And I just got through preaching 40 sermons on Jesus plus nothing. <laughs> he said, you heard these preachers that preach Jesus plus nothing? He said, that's just ridiculous. They don't understand what Paul is talking about. I said, well, maybe you might not have an inclination of what Paul's talking about. Well, I got an interpretation because in 1782, so-and-so, so-and-so, here he goes with this historical mind out of hell. And the matter of fact was there was a religious intellectual serpent seed that knew a lot about nothing. Because he didn't know who his redeemer was. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know who the bride was. He didn't know who his brother was. Therefore, he couldn't have the Holy Ghost. Brother Ram said, watch, he put them in there because of a law, and they couldn't keep the law, and he is a God of righteousness, and the law demanded righteousness, but there was no grace in law to bring a man out. No penalty was paid by that law, but it taken grace to pay that penalty unto where the law put us under. In Isaac was the seed called. Are you following me now? So we know that Jesus Christ was that promised seed of the woman, that prophet spoken of by Deuteronomy 18. Now, we have heard of the trail of the serpent. Brother Branham said, I'm going to preach the trail of the serpent. And people said, boy, I wish he'd preached the trail of the serpent. He preached the trail of the serpent over and over and over. Why we're not a denomination, blasphemous name, Jezebel religion. Seed of discrepancy. Spoken words, original seed. He preached it over and over and over. Brother Brown made many statements about Cain who sets forth the alpha or the seed principle for all ages that finally comes back to seed in a harvest now in this last age when he see the tares are bundled together for the burning. If you go to the message seed of discrepancy, Brother Brown spends about two and a half hours 
in Matthew 13, 29 to 30, the sower of the seed, and he brings it down where the sower, the seed, what it more is, he brings it down to the Pentecostals and brings out the seed. He says in verse 37, the sower of the good seed is the son of man. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The tares are the seed of the wicked one. Who knows who the wicked one was? Cain, who was of that wicked one? Having to put it back on the serpent, which was in, anointed by the devil, which is a spirit. All right, so watch now. Beginning with Cain, who was of that wicked one, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The harvesters are the angels, are messengers. That makes me qualified this morning standing behind the pulpit ministering the word. And they are to gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. I am to gather out of the kingdom everything that offends and them that do iniquity. Therefore, they would have the spirit of discernment. The spirit of discernment is true doctrine. Unless you understand what this message is out of the Bible, you cannot understand what the message is for this hour. So what we're seeing is, you've got to have the spirit of discernment to distinguish between the two twins. You say, Brother Gregory, can we as individuals have that same discernment? You must have it or you will fail. Everybody that says, Brother, Brother, Love, Love is not Brother, Brother, Love, Love. All right. With that in mind, we must first see our relationship or see the relationship. Now, here's where it gets a little boring or you follow the scriptures. Where Brother Bram compared the visions of Revelation chapter 1 that John had pertaining to the church ages and the end of this age. And he compared the visions and the translation of the church to the end time to Revelation chapter 1. I gave you a quote in the Revelation series. Brother Bram said, now let's take the veil off for a few minutes, the Lord helping us. Take the veil from our eyes, and behold, he cometh with clouds. How is he coming? With clouds. What kind of clouds? Clouds of glory. Not one of these thunderhead rain clouds, but clouds of glory. If you'll watch what kind of a cloud he was enshrouded in which Peter and them saw his vision, O Mount Transfiguration, a cloud overshadowed him. His raiment shined. He was enshrouded with a cloud, the power of glory. That cloud of glory is represented in what we call the pillar of fire. And remember the cloud that appeared, which was the seven angels, Brother Bam said, come as the wigged one, son of man coming as judge. You and I have already stood before the judge. We have already been put on trial and we are already have been found guilty or not guilty. And the sentence has already passed. As we said before, you never done it. Therefore, you are not guilty. And now I can say your soul should amen that. He placed Revelation 17, 5. This may be a little hard to follow. You can go over it in your notes. He placed 17, Matthew 17, 5. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which spake, said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am pleased to dwell. Hear ye him. 
And he compared that to Revelation 1.7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall be well because of him. He placed them as the same kind of clouds, and he called them clouds of glory, or the power of God. The cloud by day, pillar far by night. Same glory, same presence, which we had it today, represented in a vindicated prophet. All right. So what you're looking at is the Son of Man ministry in the Omega duplicating the same ministry that Jesus, the Son of Man, performed to Israel 2,000 years ago. If this end-time Elijah ministry is not the same to the Gentiles as it was to the Jews, then we do not interpret this scripture or this Bible correctly. The religious world cannot accept that fact. There's where we have a problem. Now then, basically, he said in Revelation 1, 13 to 16, I won't read them. I'll just call the scripture, but you can read them. Revelation 13 to 16 he uses as uh, basically the countenance was as the sun shining in the strength. He relates this scripture to Matthew uh, 17, 1 or 2 to 3. Was transfigured before then. His face did shine in the sun. His raiment was white as white. He translates or uses a scripture in Revelation chapter 1, the end time presentation of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man ministry, back to the transfiguration in Matthew 17 as a prefigure of what his ministry will do to the end time bride. All right. To understand this correctly, which is a hard principle to follow, is Revelation 1.11. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Actually, what we are seeing Brother Branham comparing the scriptures and what scripture he used back to what scriptures. We're absolutely looking at the principle of Alpha and Omega and we see a spiritual law just as fixed as the law of seed. He fixed this law of Alpha and Omega just as fixed a law as the seed doctrine or principle. The sowing of the seed in Genesis, he always brings out, will come to a harvest in the book of Revelation. So there is two books in this Bible that Satan hates. Genesis and Revelation. Genesis exposes his fall, his nature, and his basically principle of life. Revelation exposes his uncovering the mystery of iniquity unveiled and his destruction in the lake of fire. That's the reason he hates those two chapters. In Ecclesiastes 3.14, we went through this, I think, in the sermon, Alpha and Omega. Here's the principle. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. God doeth it that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God requires that which is past. So therefore, God repeats himself, and the key is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Therefore, whatever is in the beginning, now I'm stressing this because when we get to these steps, 
And in the book of Revelation, especially 13, where the beast causes all to buy or sell, the principle in Revelation 13, which we say is America, mark of the beast, which is religion, is absolutely the seed of Cain multiplied and come to its harvest with its true nature back again that will kill and suppress everything that will not worship the way that he dictates. It will come through the economy, it will come through politics, and it will come through religion. And it's already here. People are being suppressed under the power of the beast right now in our jobs, our schools, our religion, in every facet of our lives. I don't mean to be crude, rude, or indifferent, but our government, according to Sodom and Gomorrah principle, as it was on the days of Lot, our politics, our churches, our society is completely controlled by serpent seed, which are sodomites, homosexuals, and those that do not know who their identity really is. That sounds crude. They'll put us in jail for saying it, but it is absolutely true. That seed has come to a harvest. And remember, sodomites starts with being off of the word of God. Fornication is having more than one God, and it started all the way back to Cain, to Balaam, right on down to Judah, Judas, and right on down to today, and the last pope will be the last incarnation of that seed. Watch it. There must be a repeat of this seed, not in just continuity, but a repeat alpha must always be an omega, and if alpha is not omega, then we're not interpreting the scriptures correctly. You see in Matthew 17 an alpha. You see a preview or a prefigure of what is going to happen in this last age called the Omega. It is not identical as far as Jesus commanded the disciples, but it is a prefigure or it is a type. It is an alpha of the seed principle of the Son of Man. You will see the exact same ministry of the Son of Man repeated in this hour with the same exact outcome of a few, which was Peter, James, and John, that was transfigured into the glory of God for the rapture of the church without dying. Amen. You're not going to get out of here in this flesh and blood bone body. There must be a transfiguration. And the question you have to ask yourself is this. When they were transfigured, were they in a mortal body or an immortal body? How did Jesus get them on the mountain? He translated them there. And you will see a prefigure of New Jerusalem. The living, the dead, God above, worshiping, Jesus the center. Everything has already been prefigured in the Alpha, now being unfolded today in the Omega. And the next step is the resurrection and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me skip over here just a little bit. Already out of time. Brother Bram used the principle of Alpha and Omega. He said, well, he never preached a sermon on it. But that's how he interprets scriptures. He always took two men. Let me this just a little bit because this principle holds true. And we've got to face it sooner or later. He took two men and only two men, Cain and Abel, 
as the seed sown in Genesis that ends in Revelation 13, 11 to 18, and that's the chapter of the Mark of the Beast and, uh, whose names are not landed on the book of life. I'll force them to take the mark. Where Cain bearing the seed of religion, the seed of discrepancy, and we find today, and I looked it up on the internet, I don't know, David, can we put the figure up there or what, whatever that figure is, I meant to, and see what, somebody can tell what it is. 2019 population on earth. It's said to be, what is that, 7 trillion, 713 billion, 468,205 people. Did I, did I get that right? Is that trillion or billion? Is that 7 billion, 713? No, no, it's 7 trillion, isn't it? It's not trillion? It's not trillion. 7 billion. I thought that should be closer because Brother Ben said there's about 6 billion living in the days of Noah. I thought, man, we might, we increased. We got a lot of people here. Praise God. We need another have another virus kill off a few of these. Just think now, just a few minutes. There's seven billion people on earth come from one woman. Eve was the mother of all living. Now just think a minute. You've got to come to the original seed, bring it all the way down to the end time in a multiplied harvest form. You've got a little apple seed, and here you've got an apple with a thousand apples on it. Okay? Researchers suggest, this is article 1995, I believe, they said virtually all modern men 99.9% .9 of them are related genetically and share genes with one male ancestor dubbed Y-chrotosome Adam. Now, the woman does not have the Y-chrotosome, just the male, and the female has X, but not the Y. The Y is passed from father to son, enabling scientists follow the human race. They say, according to science, 99.9 .9 all come from one source they call Adam. One-tenth come from another male of which they knew not the source. The prophet said maybe one in a million in the election, but the fact of the matter was there were two sires or two males and according to scripture, it was Adam and the serpent. We don't get the seed chapter right. We won't get the revelation chapter right. Now, if someone can do the math, I can't do the math. I just put a guess figure here. There could be a possible of 50 to 70,000 so-called human race from Adam on earth today. That's wise and foolish. Now, that's just a guess that figure. If you do the math, you can get it down to whatever that is, one-tenth of six billion, whatever more. Brother Branham said it was one-thousandth of one percent. So how many would that be? Not very many. 30, 40,000, 20 or 30,000, something more like that. Then the book of Revelation 13, 
all these billions that are alive today, which that's where we're at in Revelation 13 today, all the religious people, about six billion religious people of all the religions, all come from Cain or the original, which would be serpent. Making Cain the first Antichrist, the first Pope that killed everyone who would not accept his method of worship. You can't interpret the Bible any other way. We can get so thick back in the book of Genesis to make you want to shrug away or pull away from the reality of what's going on today. You've got to embrace seed doctrine and understand all these good people that you're calling good, and they are good people. I'm not qualifying that. All but outside of eight, when Jesus come with serpent seed. And Jesus said to all the religious Jews there, very strict, dotted the I, crossed the T, kept Moses' law to the letter, killed everybody who wouldn't. You are of your father, the devil. And he was a liar from the beginning. The days of Noah, eight souls were saved by grace and that seed come over through the ark. Only one elected human being, Enoch, took the rapture and walked with God. How many true seed of God are on earth today? Is very very few. We know it's mixed. Wise and foolish, they're both sons. They're both under a covenant. They will both be saved. One in a translation, one in a resurrection and judgment. But there will not be one son, one seed of God, lost. Period. I will lose none that are mine. Are you his this morning? Amen. Anybody that has read the book of Genesis, can you see two gods in the book of Genesis? The silence says you don't know or there's not one there. I hope you're saying there's not one there. In the book of Genesis, you only find one God. Then how come in the New Testament you can find three? Nobody understood anything about three gods until the Canaanites got a hold of the Word of God around 325 AD and made it a doctrine of the Trinity and that Cain nature popped up and they killed 86 million people that would not bow to that Cain worship. In other words, the Canaanites has been killing off anyone that will not take their form of worship ever since the Garden of Eden. And that spirit is coming after you now. Carrie, y'all want to come? Now I'll close right here. I wonder why 
People cannot read the scriptures. The biggest debate in this message for the last few years, I've, I've read almost every preacher's uh, doctrine on teaching on the, uh, on the Godhead and I uh, hadn't found hardly any one of them that I agree with to this point. Not that I'm right. They could be right. I could be wrong. But every one of them, I've even got a whole book that thick. Historical thing, his message preacher. His outcome is there's only one God. And Jesus was that God. According to a vindicated prophet, you're not even saved. Because he said, unless you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you cannot be saved. Because the revelation of who Jesus is, is what saves you because he was the Redeemer. He was the Lamb. Now show me in the book of Genesis, what did Abel present to God outside of a blood sacrifice and he was accepted? Show me. Not one thing. It wasn't the blood plus go get all the first fruits like Cain. The do's and don'ts and harvest and work and whatever more and whatever. Present my fruits, present my love, present my this, present my that. It was the revelation, the blood redeemed me from the fall. Jesus plus nothing. Well, Brother Greg, you're saying we don't have to believe the Ten Commandments. Well, I'll put it like that. The Ten Commandments is there. If you think you can fulfill them, start out and try. And you'll end up 40 years down the road just as lost as lost can be. For no man can fulfill the law except one. And he fulfilled the law because he was created in the womb of a virgin, passed, bypassed the original sin, and gave his life to redeem you that was under the law, that we might be made the righteous of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because my name was in the Lamb's book of life, and when he redeemed the book, he purchased or brought back my redemption and relationship with the Father. Jesus is sitting on the throne this morning. He's already took the book. He's not waiting for the predestinated seed to come forth. The predestinated seed has already been called. They have already come forth. Our Jesus would be on the intercessory seat waiting for that last seed to come into age so where it could be quickened. When he took the book, every name in the book was already redeemed, already on earth, and ready for the revelation. He was not sitting there to save you. You were saved from the foundation of the world. He was sitting there because of your ignorance. When he come off the mercy seat or the intercessory, you say, oh, if he left that, we can't be saved. No, 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 you were already saved. You always have been saved. He come off to bring a revelation to this age of the seed of God so you can identify who you are by the presentation of the Father. Amen. Amen. So when you can identify the Father, which is the base of the revelation of the Son of Man, then the Father can identify you as the virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. Amen.
So what do we have here? If you cannot read, simply read that God or Jesus has been made a mediator and an intercessor. And he's interceding be what? between God and men. This is very simple. You can't make this one like your finger. So you can't put Jesus on the throne, put him over here interceding, down here in your heart at the same time. The glorified body of Jesus is sitting on the throne in heaven right now. He's already took the book. He loosed the seals. Way back there in the very beginning, he loosed that first seal and then a Christ spirit come out with another gospel, another Jesus. He has already handed the book to the Father who was on the throne, represented as that light or the pillar of fire. The pillar of fire has descended to earth to a vindicated prophet. Revelation 10, 1 to 7. The Son of Man ministry as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. He's already been revealed. What I'm talking to you this morning is already past tense. It's already over. It's already fulfilled. It's already been manifested. And the only way that we can understand what's going on is look back to see what has been fulfilled and identify yourself with it. So then when we catch up to what God has already done, you can identify yourself in the mirror of God's word that this is talking about me. Amen. Who else is it talking about? Who else could it be talking about? If you're looking for something to come or you don't think it's talking about you, you've already identified yourself as a different class of people. Only serpent seed is looking for something to come. The Jesus that come to reveal and make himself known to us has already appeared. Well, I don't understand that, brother. Well, then get someone, sit down and talk about it, or start playing some tapes. Listen to a vindicated voice. Because we got one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Christ Jesus. Not God, the man. The man, Jesus, the Son of God, is not God as the Father was God. You've got to get in the Scriptures. You'll never identify yourself until you can identify Jesus as the only created Son of God, the Redeemer, the perfect blood that redeemed you back into a relationship with your Father. Amen. I've kept too long this morning. You can tell I skipped last week. Let's stand. Next week, we'll start through and pick up one step at a time. Uh, we can get one step or two steps. But we want to look at this process. And you already understand the first step in this hour or in the church ages. Who do you say that Jesus, the Son of Man, is? You've got to get the identity of Jesus Christ right in your heart. That is the seed, alpha, that takes you to the omega of translation or glorification. You will never be glorified unless you understand who Jesus Christ really was. Amen. Praise the Lord. Awful quiet this morning.
Maybe I missed a good sermon last week. Amen. Help me to realize this, what's going on in the system, the age. I don't like to be a downer. And I say hallelujah, glory to God. But this thing is getting wicked. It is absolutely sick. And if this gets out online, they'll come probably come and arrest me because they don't like anyone to identify who they really are. But I'll tell you right flat, Biden is not the one that's making those speeches of perversion that he's reading. He's only a tool reading what some little whatever more back there is writing. They got out of some school or some theology or some college somewhere of this woke society. You've got the serpent seed trying to present, present themselves or press themselves into the position of leadership or sons of God, of which they will never do. God is going to wipe out the whole bunch. You say, well, Brother Gregor, what if you're one of them? Burn, baby, burn, because we'll get out of here quick. But God is going to destroy this whole mess. He's going to bomb it, and he's going to burn it, but not before we're sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise be to God. We got a transfiguration going on right now. You don't understand it. I don't understand it. But there is a transfiguration taking place in your soul realm right now. And it will be finished by the change of our body. Praise be to God. What are we singing? Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross every day. Don't be ashamed to say that you know him. Just count the cost and take up your cross. Your cross is knowing who you are in Christ. Come on now. Oh, take up your cross. Take up your cross every day. Don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Count the cause, take up your cross and follow Him. Your cross, your cross that you got to take up is a revelation of who you are in this hour as sons and daughters of God. Not just saying, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church. I am a seed and offspring of God. That is the cross from Genesis to Revelation. That every time they took up a cross and declared who they were as children of God, that other seed always raised up to kill them off, to destroy them. Even as in the days of Jesus, they killed every baby from two years of age and under. Why did they do that? They knew out there somewhere in that lineage laid the Christ, the anointed seed. If 
you can hear the gospel today and even open your mind to the truth that your soul come from God, you are in that one thousandth of one percent. And get out of your mind that it's what you do in my conduct. Get in your mind to believe and open your mind to the revelation of who you are in Christ and understand your election and predestination. Confess it out of your mouth to be a witness to establish it in your heart and when you tell somebody look I am a son of God my soul come from God I never sinned in the first place they will try their best to kill you if you don't believe it just try it now if you want peace and safety and everybody pats you on the back just go along with the crowd keep your mouth shut smile and go along but if you open your mouth and declare who you are as a son of God, that devil out there will identify you and send every force of hell to try to kill you or to influence you or to bring you down or to destroy you. If they don't kill you physically, they'll kill your influence. They'll tell some tale about you, some lie about you. They will bring you down. But praise be to God, no one can take us out of his head. Amen? Oh, take up your cross.